Well, in your Bible, there's a Bible, and I'll get to that in just a minute, but uh, page 819, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 31, but uh, page number 819 in these little black Bibles that are in the seat in front of you. I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about uh, the kingdom of God, and especially as we're uh, coming into, well, we are into the new year, 2014, and we always kind of think of things like, some, almost like a fresh start, but uh, kind of retooling and, and uh, getting our focus again after the holidays and back on track to where Jesus happens to be taking us. This, is, uh, this scripture is a, a parable to help us understand something about what Jesus calls the kingdom of God. And it's about, he uses the parable of a mustard seed. Now, I like mustard. How many of you like mustard? Well, come on, you know. It's, it's. So, I'm going, to, I'm going to speak on this mustard seed thing. So, you know, you Google stuff and you kind of find out. Did you know there is a website called I Love Mustard or something like that? Yeah. There's something for everyone. And uh, it's, uh, it's not huge. I think it's uh, somewhere around 60 or 70 people that are part of a I Love Mustard group. So, it's not, it's not exactly gone viral yet, but we're kind of... Mustard lovers are hoping that it just might uh, happen at any point. Well, this is what the site is. It promotes mustard, and it promotes itself this way by giving real-life personal stories, because that's the way, you know, I was once a loser, then I ate mustard, and my life changed. And I got a girlfriend and bought a lottery ticket. Now I have a yacht, that sort of thing. But no, nah, but there, I, I, I think there may be even up to about 100 in there, but I don't think so. Anyway... I love mustard. And they promote it by testimonials. So I'll read a couple because I think they're interesting. These are very sincere people. So the first testimony says, first of all, one of my nicknames is mustard. Because I love it so much. I put it on everything. And so people started calling me mustard to tease me. And I think ketchup is all right. This is on the website. I absolutely hate mayonnaise. I'll basically try anything with mustard within reason. And people who eat french fries with ketchup, which is the norm, don't know what they're missing. Mustard is way better. I'm a sucker for regular yellow mustard, but I also like honey mustard and spicy mustard. However, I do not like Dujon Mustard, just my opinion. Mmm, mustard. <laughs> yeah. Imagine some gal bringing this guy home and introducing him to mom and dad. Got any mustard? All right. And then there's this one. Many times I find myself in need of a snack. And what better to eat than mustard? I just rip open one of those little packets, those little packets, (laughs) and I insert it between my teeth, and then in a slow fashion, I'll squeeze the living daylights out of the mustard packet, (laughs) causing the mustard to flow from the packet to the inside of my mouth. And when the mustard hits my taste buds, my tongue, 
It's like a fireworks show of emotions <laughs> that my taste buds go through. My word, from excitement to complete joy, the mustard makes my day. <laughs> I don't know about these people. Uh, I, I really don't. But I, I find it was funny anyway. Uh, people... Maybe they work for some mustard company or something. I don't know, trying to show uh, up support. I don't know. It takes 20 hours to manufacture yellow mustard. Just thought you'd like to know that. Something like 32 hours to manufacture Dijon mustard because of the fermentation time. It takes a little bit longer. So you learn something by being here on a Saturday night, and you're all saying, you know, it was worth the trip in on a Saturday night. <laughs> to uh, learn all of these things about mustard. Well, in your Bible, which I give you the page number, if you'd like to look at Matthew chapter 13 and verse 31 and 32, and we'll just read it there. Jesus, this is about Jesus. Jesus is telling this parable. He told them a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, and when it is grown, it's larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Now, I would need to clear up a little misconception about mustard seed, because actually it's not the smallest seed there is. Uh, the, the seeds of, of uh, orchids are actually so small they're like dust. But you see, in this particular day... Jesus addressed the Palestinians, and, and the, uh, the smallest seeds that they had ever heard of was the mustard seed. That's what they kind of work with there. And uh, the seed sprouts and it grows. It's not, really like, it's not really a tree, but it's kind of like a tree because it can grow at maturity up to about 16 and a half feet tall. That's a pretty good garden plant right there. So you better have pretty tall ceilings if you plant mustard in your house there because it goes up there pretty good. And uh, it grows quickly, and it and becomes the largest plant that these farmers could plant. And it became so large, in fact, they knew exactly what he was talking about when Jesus said, you know, the birds of the air can come and build their nest and perch in the tree, and the mustard tree, and, and, which is actually a plant, and be there. They, they knew that. They, they understood the point that Jesus was making. And he was saying, basically, that this mustard seed grows into this plant and becomes a blessing to all the creatures around about. Birds can come and live there and it's just kind of nice, uh, the blessing that it, it becomes. Now, when Jesus traveled around Israel and is telling people about the kingdom of God, it's kind of interesting to put yourself in the perspective of their mindset back then and what they were thinking whenever he began to talk about the kingdom of God. Because different people thought different things about that. The kingdom of God. Jesus went to Galilee and, and he began to proclaim. Mark tells us that this is what he preached. He, he preached basically Jesus had the same sermon. He preached it all the time. And it was about the kingdom of God. Wherever he went, he talked about the kingdom of God. And it was good news. And it was, he was, it was actually a proclamation. He's basically making an announcement. It's the kingdom of God's at hand. Repent of your sins, and receive the kingdom of God. And what he's really saying is the kingdom of God is about submitting to rulership. And so when you become a follower of Jesus, this is what it means when you receive the kingdom of God into your heart. It means that you willingly 
commit your life to following Jesus and making him Lord and ruler. He reigns and rules. It is, it is the understanding that he's a ruler. Now, it's been real popular in certain evangelical circles to kind of diminish the gospel a bit. I mean, uh, I don't think purposely, but just one of those things. That, this is how you become a Christian. Receive Jesus as your personal Savior. But the Bible really doesn't say that. Jesus never said, receive me as your Savior. Never did. He was very, very clear. This is what it's about. Repent and receive the kingdom of God, which is to say, turn from the way that you're living and make sure that you understand I'm the king and you you enter into my rulership and my reign in your life. And that's what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. It's understanding that you basically have given up your life to receive his life and his rulership into your life. So that we're like just not making decisions on our own and doing whatever we want to do and and somehow say, oh, Jesus, I'm going to go over here and do this. Help me to find a parking place at Walmart because it's cold out and I don't want to walk very far. Jesus, help me with this. It's not like somehow becoming a Christian is finding certain conveniences and gifts that help your life to be better. It's actually about entering into his rulership and serving him and his purposes on the earth. That's what it is. And so Jesus preached the one sermon all the time. And it was this. The kingdom of God, the time has come and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Well, where's that at? Well, it's in Mark 1.15. When he starts his ministry, that's what he says. And what we hear, you and I, I hope this is what you hear, when you hear this statement about the kingdom of God being near, the kingdom of God coming, the kingdom of God entering history, we understand that Jesus has entered into the scene of our lives and the lives of people, and he's taking territory. He's reigning, and we submit to his rulership. And from that, we begin to impact others and share the good news with others, and they embrace the kingdom rule of God. And so for us, it means more and more people are being added into the family of God. More and more people are coming under the rulership of Jesus. The kingdom of God is increasing and it's expanding and it's growing. And that's kind of what it means to us. Now, when 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 he talked to the Jews, however, they heard something else. Same message, same words. They heard something else. Because... They were, under the domin- they, they were under the dominion of an intruder. The Roman government had invaded and occupied. And they were living under the belief and hope of certain Old Testament prophecies that some Messiah would one day come. And he would be like King David used to be. And he would rule and, he, and kick out all the occupiers And do that instantly and supernaturally in such a way that Israel would once again be the most powerful nation in the earth. And so they saw it materially and physically. When Jesus said kingdom of God, it was material and physical. It was overthrow the Roman government and our country becomes the greatest in the world. That's what they saw. But we understand that Jesus was talking about something spiritual. happens inside of us. It's a rebirth in our life. The kingdom of God is spiritual. And it has outward manifestations, but it's not about this. It's not about lifting up this particular people and nation. 
And can you imagine their surprise when Jesus shared this parable about the kingdom of God doesn't come suddenly, supernaturally big, overthrows the Roman Empire and lifts up Israel, but it comes like a little seed. Pretty small and insignificant, almost not very powerful, looks like pretty unnoticeable. Jesus taught in John 12, 24, he says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And he knew where he was headed with his life. The seed is planted, it dies, and the kingdom of God comes. Now, I'd like to share with you really quickly tonight four things that I think is pretty important. I'd like for you to be encouraged about what's been happening over the last 2,000 years. First of all, like the mustard seed, Jesus said the kingdom of God, like the mustard seed, grows quickly. Now, a mustard plant grows really, really fast. So it grows quickly. N.T. Wright, you probably don't know who he is, but he's a, a, a British New Testament scholar. And so rather than just like read what he has to say about this, I thought I'd paraphrase it just a little bit. He talks about the, the, the amazing speed by which uh, the growth of the early church, the kingdom of God. And so he says, this is the way it was. In A.D. 25, the year 25, there was no such thing as Christianity. Merely a young hermit in the Judean wilderness. And, and a somewhat younger cousin who had dreams and saw visions. But by the year 125, A.D. 125, just 100 years later, the Roman emperor had to establish an official policy in relation to the punishment of Christians. In 100 years... The Christians grew from being so small and insignificant, not even to be noticeable, that the government of the entire world, the Roman Empire, had to acknowledge their existence and had to design some kind of special punishment for the Christians. He was forced to deal with them. So in A.D. 125, the makeup of the whole world was presented to an emperor named Herodian. And this is what was said. Basically, they, he was told there are four races in the world. There are the barbarians, and there are the Greeks, and there are the Jews, and there are the Christians. So from nothing, a hundred years later, all of a sudden, the Roman government happened to deal with an amazing force called Christians. And Ignatius said, wherever he went throughout Asia Minor, he found churches. It's like what it's, but they're viewing it like the plague. Wherever we go, this town is infected with this thing. Wherever we go. So they weren't very complimentary of us. So in, in just 100 years, the king of God had grown from being just a little problem to a religious leader, a chief priest in Jerusalem, to now becoming a major problem to the Roman Empire. The kingdom of God grew quickly. Second thing I want to say about this, like the mustard seed, is that with which Jesus likened the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God not only grew quickly, but it also grew really consistently. So the church began with like maybe 100 followers or so, something like that's how the church started. And on the day of Pentecost, 
3,000 people entered into the kingdom of God, become followers of Jesus. And one day, Peter preached a sermon. That's a pretty good day. <laughs> 3,000. You know, we had a little church meeting. We have 100 folks there. You know, you know, I preached a little bit. 3,000 people got saved. Come on. That's, <laughs> that's exciting stuff, I think. And, and then a little while later, Peter preached again, and 5,000 people become followers of Jesus and enter the kingdom of God. And it's estimated somewhere with women and kids and all that, probably around twenty or 30,000 people in that church there in Jerusalem. That's fairly amazing. Begin to spread. And perhaps, uh, perhaps by 100 AD, there were like a half a million people, 500,000 people that had become followers of Jesus. And by 1,000 A.D., that had doubled, and there was at least a million people that had become followers of Jesus. But it began to pick up speed consistently. 500 years later, in 1500 A.D., there was a five-fold increase, and there were estimated at least 5 million followers of Jesus Christ. 400 years later, in 1900, there was an eight-fold increase to 40 million followers of Jesus. Came to God, grew, it grew quickly, and it grows consistently. The number doubled in just 50 years, so by 1950, it's estimated there were 80 million followers of Jesus now that had entered into the kingdom of God. 30 years later, in 1980, that number had tripled. Now, this is fairly exciting stuff to me. Because the kingdom of God's growing. It's covering the earth. It's like the mustard seed. 275 million people had now become followers of Jesus. And the growth of the church and the kingdom of God became exponential. Now, today, let me compare today like it was with, in Jesus' day. There was like one follower of Jesus for every 250,000 people in the world. Today, there's one follower of Jesus for every eight people. In the earth. You get this? What you're part of. It's growing. It's expanding. It's absolutely amazing. And in the face of persecution, for almost 2,000 years, it's estimated 14 million people were martyred for the cause of Jesus Christ. But in 100 years, another 26 million were martyred for Jesus. But in spite of that, almost twice as many as in all the preceding years had been martyred for Jesus. In spite of that, the church has continued to grow three and a half times faster than the growth of world population. Well, that's amazing stuff. The gates of hell cannot overcome the church. We're, we're progressively moving toward a climactic event in history. Jesus is taking us there, and you're part of it. The church grew quickly. It's grown consistently and steadily, and God advances his cause in generation after generation. Now, we all know that in various cultures, Christianity has its day that it seems to diminish. It has its day and it seems to diminish. And, it's, and, and you can kind of draw the conclusion that we're kind of on our way out. Now, I need you to hang with me with all this because it has a pretty valid point when I get to the end of this. How it affects you personally, really. So, church membership rises and falls. and There are periods of time in church history when the world kind of turns against Jesus and and that's happened in Europe, for instance. There's not many people following Jesus. In your Western culture, it's a West, in the West itself, there's been a diminishing, it seems. 
church organizations rise and fall and what churches used to be, uh, where there used to be churches are now used for other things. And there was a point, things have turned a corner here in the U.S. a little bit. There was a time when more churches were closing than were being started. And that's changed in the last few years. And now more and more churches are being started than are closing. When, and the place where Christianity started in the Middle East and Israel, and I've been there a couple times, you can't hardly find a Christian. And if you did, they would be persecuted and almost underground. It's pretty serious. Church organizations rise and fall. A lot of denominations that's been going for two, three hundred years are nearing extinction. I mean, if you just look at those things, you could say, wow, this thing is kind of dying. And... and uh, but this is not new. And this has happened at various points in history. Then God comes and changes things. And I'm praying that happens for you and for us in this city and what God's called us to do. Because he does that. And so there was a time, there was a French philosopher by the name of Voltaire. And Voltaire, in the 18th century, he observed how weak Christianity was and how ineffective it was. And he made a prediction. He predicted that in 100 years... Christianity would be extinct, and the only Bibles you would find would be in museums. And a hundred years later, the French Bible Society was occupying his house. <laughs> I love the way Jesus does things. I really do. I think he's got a great sense of humor and justice and all that. The persistent, constant, creative, life-giving work of God overcomes obstacle after obstacle through the years. How else do you explain that over 2,000 years ago, out of a little group, something was started? A little handful of primitive people, not very sophisticated at all, committed their lives to a man named Jesus Christ, whom we know is the Son of God. And you're sitting here in this place today as a believer and a follower of Jesus. This is great. It's supernatural. It's the progress and the increase of the kingdom of God that will cover the earth. And the glory of God will come. We're all part of that. The church is moving forward. It's weak right now in the West, but it's growing like crazy in Asian countries and actually among a lot of Islamic cultures. I have a friend that leads a church in uh, Jakarta, Indonesia, which is Islamic. And he has 25,000 people in his church. People are turning to Jesus all over the place. Now, you may not hear about a lot of these things, but entire towns and nations are being affected by the gospel today. And it's not as much in the West as it is in other nations, but it's happening. God continues his work, miracle work, of building and growing his kingdom through his church. Now, it's our responsibility to continue to express faith in what God has started in us, started a good work in us, he's going to complete it, what he has for us here at Jubilee to do, what he has for you to do among your own family and friends and workplaces, to continue to reaffirm your faith in the power of the gospel, to change people's lives. It's not in your ability to communicate it or articulate it in such a way that it's convincing it's just you to live it and to speak it because God's power is in the gospel. He converts. He saves. So we don't give up. And sometimes when you have relatives or people you've talked to and have not seemed to be very receptive at all, 
It's easy to say, I'm just going to quit talking to him about this. It's easy for you to, uh, I understand that, to give in to despair or discouragement. But if you step out in faith and you stay persistent and you keep loving people and the blessings by which you've received, you begin to disseminate to others. Even in the face of sometimes rudeness and resistance, it, begin, it has its impact on people. It's amazing how many people are in this church at one time are resistant and become followers of Jesus Christ. It's the power of the gospel and it's just living out the love of Jesus and not giving up on people. So the last observation I want to make to you is this is where it really affects you. I wanted you to to be filled with faith that God's work is growing and it's increasing. What God's called us to do, we can do. But you have a part to play in that. The, The parable of the mustard seed tells us that an act of obedience has far greater consequences than you can imagine. And that's what Jesus says. Remember, he takes us, it's a mustard seed, you can barely see it, really small, pretty insignificant. And that's how we all feel sometimes. We feel fairly insignificant. We just don't feel we know enough, we're articulate enough. Sometimes we just don't, don't know what our place is in life. And he says, well, you're kind of like this little mustard seed here. It looks pretty insignificant. And when it's planted, it grows and becomes significant and becomes a blessing to the creatures. The birds come and they perch in the trees and they make their nest. It becomes a blessing there. It started like this. And we're kind of like that. Now, last few weeks, Christmas time. And lots of you put on Christmas music and lots of you watch Christmas movies. How many of you watch a Christmas movie? You probably have your favorites. Well, I'm going to tell you one of my favorites. It's called It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart. Don't do that. I saw, it's just like you put spinach up to the man's face. It's a Wonderful Life by Jimmy Stewart. And this is what the movie's about. It's about a character named George Bailey. And George Bailey is pretty depressed, and he wishes he had never been born. And an angel comes and grants him his wish and takes him out on the town and shows him what the town and people would be like had George Bailey never been born. And so they begin to visit and see the world as it would have looked had George Bailey never been born. There was the pharmacist who is now a drunk serving time in jail for poisoning someone because George was not there to spot the pharmacist's mistake and correct it. There was a ship sunk in World War II because George's brother wasn't there to shoot down the airplane that sunk the ship because George hadn't been born when the same brother fell through the ice. George wouldn't have been there to save his brother. And he began to show him the world as it would have looked had George Bailey never really been born. It's a great movie, isn't it, Alex? Yes. 
Yes, it is. <laughs> and it makes the point that one life, our life, has a far greater effect on history and people than you could possibly imagine. And the only way you could really know that is if something like a George Bailey thing happened to you. What if you didn't exist? Let me show you what the world would look like. What would have happened to others? I found it to be a powerful story. I've had my George Bailey experiences. When I was just a young guy. About your age. A man said to me, no one had ever said this to me, ever. He said, John, you can do anything. He was a man I respected, I looked up to. He said, John, you can do anything. That's a throwaway remark. I know that. Oh, what a big deal. I can't tell you what those words did to me. They changed my life. Now I know God was speaking to me. But when he said, you can do anything, I felt different. I thought, I can do anything. What would my world have been like had Paul Sangren never lived and said something as simple as that? He would never know. I mean, I'm sure he's dead by now. But, I mean, he was an old guy then. He was at least 40. <laughs> <laughs> And you don't know. A word you say and a sentence, a statement. You walk away and you don't see the effect of it. And it's easy just to write off your life and say, it doesn't mean that much. But you've come to the kingdom for such an hour as this. And what you say and do does matter. And it affects lives even if you don't see the immediate result. I wonder, I really do wonder, what would have happened to me had this man not made that very simple statement to me that so affected my life? John, you can do anything. In 1995, another man said something to me. He said, John, why don't you go to St. Louis and start a church? And let it be a special kind of church. It may not be a statement that you fully understand. It's an apostolic church. That is, a church that has a strategy for mission and reproducing and training and raising up leaders. and Not just a little pastoral community where we just are a little flock and we're happy with that. And the rest, you know, kind of hermetically sealed up and the rest of the world is kind of out there but we're here. No, no, be, be a different kind of church. And he said to me, why don't you come to St. Louis and start a church? And I did. What if I didn't? What if he never said that to me? Would we be sitting in this building tonight? Would you be a part of this community? 
Now, I'm not saying that in order to indicate that somehow I'm special. I'm pointing out to you simple obedience to an expression has an impact far beyond anything that you could ever imagine. The kingdom of God's like that. Insignificant mustard seed becomes significant and a resting place for the, and blessing to the creatures all around. And as a result of that, there are hundreds of people that are following Jesus in Jubilee Church's community. There are many more hundreds of people that have been a part of Jubilee that have moved on to other parts of the country still serving Jesus. I travel around and visit churches all over the place from coast to coast. I cannot hardly go into any church and not see a former Jubilee person. Churches have been started because this church got started. People from this church have gone out to be a part of that. Or else they've had a job transfer. And wow, there's one of our churches like us right there. Oh, great. That's where I'll go. I don't think there's any way in the world that I could calculate the impact of without a doubt, literally thousands of people now who've been affected and are serving in the kingdom of God because of the kind of church that we are. And you may say, I don't know that I feel really much a part of that. Have I, how, how have I contributed to that? Well, I tell you I've contributed. Many of you have opened up your homes. You've been a participating part in community groups. Your life is more of a blessing than you could possibly imagine. The things you say, the way you do, all of that. Many of you have opened up your checkbooks, and we just heard that some of you wrote some checks here in order to assist those who need to be helped at this particular point in time. Their lives, and when Dylan stood here and said, their lives are going to be different because you wrote that check because of that contribution that you gave. And you could just say, that's a throwaway remark. Oh, no. How many lives are going to be impacted because you wrote a check? Is that I want to help those who have needs. You're a part of this. You've shared Jesus with others. Sometimes, by the way you've lived your life and been helpful. Other times, by the words that you've shared your generosity in some way. And then there's a lot of people in this church that also serve on Sunday mornings when we have services here on Sunday and you've made it a very, very guest-friendly place. Do you know what it's like coming into a new church for the first time? It's spooky. You don't know what those people do. <laughs> do, do they wear all wear suits and ties? Hmm. Do they make you do something? Uh, are they going to make me stand up and announce that I'm a guest? Uh, yeah, are you guests here today? Stand up. Yeah, I'm uh, John Doe. I'm from Transylvania, pass, passing, <laughs> passing through here. Uh, are they going to, what, I, I don't know, won't know what to do. Is there a way that they do their thing that somehow, I, I won't know how, the ritual there? It's scary. 
You know what you've done? You've served all over this place and you've made this an easy place, a very guest-friendly place. You've lowered the bar so that people can relax in such a way that when the gospel's preached, they're receptive to it. They see family here. They see community. Many of you serve over there with the kids and made a huge uh, expression to children that we love kids and created an environment that's safe and lovely for children. You serve the teenagers. And you serve in community groups. And you serve at that door. I walk in here anytime we have a meeting. And there are these lovely people at the door, opening the door, smiling, greeting. I think some of them don't even know who I am because I travel a lot and I'm not even here. But they make me feel like I own the place when I walk in. I come in just a few more feet and there's someone else there smiling. And then there's coffee. Can't be bad if there's coffee. (laughs) And all over the place, there's been service. And the restrooms are cleaned. And people are talking. And there's friendliness here. There's a buzz in the room. There's a sense of life. It's the life of Jesus. This side of eternity, you may never be able to calculate the impact that all of you George Baileys have had and will have and are having. But we started Jubilee Church, we were a seed. And now we're many hundreds. And we are scattered ourselves from coast to coast. And when I go out west, and when I go out east, and when I go to the southeast, wherever I go, there are former Jubilee people. Now, I want you to understand that this is how God works in our lives. And this is how significant you really are. So, I say all of these things because now we're at the beginning of a new year, 2014. And I want you to be encouraged and renewed in your faith. And I want you to understand something of the importance of your significance and existence that God's called you to the kingdom for such an hour as this. And that you, as an individual, and we as a community, have a part to play. And it's bigger than you can imagine. Because all this stuff is happening, and you may not even know it. Just like Paul Sangren said to me, John, you can do anything. And he doesn't even know it. The impact that that is. As you follow Jesus, as you're renewed in your faith, as you're reminded we're not living here alone, that the power of God works in us, the power of the gospel works through us, even in simple things that we say and do, and that God's brought you into a community, a community with very real intention to impact Many multiplies hundreds, if not thousands of lives. And you're all a part of that. You have a part to play. Sometimes it's easy to look at people that have really big gifts, you know. I mean, there's Jordan up here leading worship. Oh, wow. Sings and leads and directs the band and does all of these things. And it's easy to say, look at the grace and gift. And sure, he's making a contribution, but I, you know, me, I can't sing. I, I can't sing either. I keep trying to get on the worship team. Though. 
keep working for it. I asked him tonight if he needed another vocalist, and he thought he could make it without me. <laughs> but I'm hoping this message tonight is helping you see the contribution that you make. Anybody that Jesus brings into his kingdom is making a contribution, has a contribution to make. I'm a follower of Jesus. You are a follower of Jesus. And he's brought us in this community of faith. And he's going to use us to bless the world. And we train leaders. And we see people go off to start and be a part of starting churches or join a church team. We see people that go to their next door neighbor. We see people that stop to help people. There's all kinds of stories in this community of people who are serving Jesus. And even today, new sons and daughters are coming to know Jesus. And it's a regular thing for people to come to know Jesus through the activity and action of this church. And, for, and we're all contributing to that just by who Jesus has made us to be. Jesus was the seed that was planted and became the sacrifice and died. And you indeed are the result of it. And he's blessed you for this reason, not just for you. He's blessed you that you might be a blessing to others. And this is how you come to be a follower of Jesus. Someone else who was blessed by being a follower of Jesus, either directly or indirectly, impacted your life. And the blessing that was in them came through them to you. And the blessing that's in you comes to you that it might go through you to others. So, as we go into 2014... Let's commit ourselves to serving Jesus, to participating, to sharing a word that might seem strange. Someone you meet somewhere, you can do anything. It will be a different phrase, I'm sure. Just anything. But to being others conscious, to praying, to serving, to opening up your home, to writing the checks, to sharing your life with people, inviting people into your life and into your home, making room for one more people. Let's keep sharing the gospel and witnessing and being the community that God has called us to be. And I promise you this, this is the beginning. Oh, I know the mustard seed, 20-some people, and now several hundred. It's the beginning. Through you, we've got a big vision in the next nine years. We want to start five more locations. And plant two more churches. And raise a million bucks along the way too. And we're going to do that. And we're all going to be a part of that. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Small. Grows. Becomes significant. The largest plant in the garden becomes a blessing to all those around.